0: Evgeny Malkin won't be going anywhere, not now, not soon, not ever, when it comes to being employed in the National Hockey League. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins will be back in action tonight at PPG Paints Arena against the Devils, hoping to break a modest, at the same time annoying, two-game losing streak. That's what it's come to with the tremendous season that they've had overall. That It feels like it stands out when they even lose more than one. But they went down in Toronto, and then they went down Sunday against the Hurricanes, and they weren't identical games, but they had kind of a similarly deflating feeling afterward in the sense that those are two legit Eastern contenders, and the Penguins could have flexed some muscle there, and really didn't in either game. We'll see if they can get back on track tonight, albeit against a much lesser opponent in a mostly young and mostly Damaged New Jersey team. Malkin hadn't been available to reporters ever since setting up Sidney Crosby's 500th goal. And by the way, very cleverly commenting underneath a Chris Letang Instagram post about the 500th goal that it had been quite some assist that he contributed to the process. Uh, This came up with Malkin yesterday as part of a question. About whether or not he'd like to have 87 set up 71 for his 500th here someday. Ah, uh, it's a special moment for sure for for me for City and I think for Tanner. We like when he score like we freely like uh, uh, play together like 16 years and we same like uh, we stay all night same like uh, time like when he score. It's like I think it's a great memory like uh, for all of us and for me. It's uh I'm happy to see it. he's an amazing player he's deserved everything and uh, every goal he scores he's uh I mean like I'm glad to give him assist. it's like great memory for me for sure and uh I hope like uh some days he give me assist my 500 goals you know a lot of people like to say hockey players never have anything interesting to offer those are people who don't spend enough time around Gino quite the personality I share this today only because there seems to be increasing discussion and debate about who the Penguins will be able to keep, who they'd want to keep, out of a class of pending unrestricted free agents that includes, obviously, Gino and Latang, but also Brian Rust and some lesser lights along the way that might become hard decisions depending on how the season plays out, like Danton Heine and Evan Rodriguez. We've seen already Ron Hextall has signed in season, both of them just within the past month, actually, Jeff Carter and now Chad Ruedel. And no, those aren't the biggest fish, but they also aren't the smallest. And they're not non-fish in this scenario either. Which is to say, it's not as if Hextall and Brian Burke have put together some sort of policy that rejects negotiating in season. They could, and would, theoretically, sign any of these guys now if they could. But none of the big guys so far has put pen to paper. What might be the holdup there? I'm still going to point the finger toward Letang on this one. Uh, Every indication that I've gotten from the inside is that Letang not only expects a raise on his current pay of $7.25 million per year, and I'm not sure he's out of line to do that, but he also expects a significant term, not just three years. Whereas what I hear about Gino is a lot more conciliatory. He's currently making 9.5. He's still a very, very good player, as we see on a regular basis. Uh, as recently as the previous couple NHL seasons, he remained among the game's most prolific performers at 5-on-5 five five, on a per-game or on a per-hour basis for those into the more advanced analytics. But he's not a $9.5 million player anymore. And more relevant to that, you heard him. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants that ovation that Sid got. He sees himself, and rightly so, if you'll recall from earlier this season, as rich guy. He is a rich guy. He's got a ton of money. He's set for life. And if you know Gino, you know that it's authentic when he says that he wants to be here, that he wants to be next to Sid, that his main objective for the remainder of his career is to win a fourth cup in Pittsburgh. Because, as you might have heard him hint in that session I played for you there, he sees his legacy in a lot of ways as tied to Sid's and in turn tied to Latang's. Those guys, and only Those guys were part of all three of these cups that they've won. And if they go on to win a fourth, whether it's because they carry the Penguins to glory or whether it's a supporting cast that kind of rises up and is led by, I don't know, Jake Gensel and a couple others, it'll still mark one of the great achievements in hockey history. He knows that. They all know that. And by the way, within that, you'd better believe Chris Letang knows that. I did a lot of thinking about him on my trip to Toronto last week. Not sure why. just kind of popped into my head. And I understand that Kent Hughes, the new general manager in Montreal, was Letang's agent for years. And I understand that the Habs would have all kinds of incentive to overpay for Letang. They probably had that incentive even before Hughes took over. And now it's something of a no-brainer, at least from the Montreal standpoint. But I'd also emphasize this to Letang should he seriously consider anything at all from the Canadians down the road. And that's this. That team stinks. That team is going nowhere. That team got to the Stanley Cup final last summer based almost entirely on the strength of two Herculean performances by players who no longer are there or are significantly diminished. That being in order Shea Weber and Carey Price coming off a significant injury. The truth about the Canadiens is a lot closer to what you see now than what you saw then and anyone who's paid even cursory attention to Latang's personality over the years at how he handles adversity meaning when his team stinks on those few occasions that it has in his tenure here just try to picture him going through that up there when we come back just one question Today's comes from Richard Helwig, who asks, how will the Jack Adams frontrunner, Mike Sullivan, find a way to make Kasperi kapitan at least playable on the bottom six? Or could he somehow fit him back with Gino?" You have to think that all options are on the table for Ron Hextall, not only with kapitan but also with Casey DeSmith. That's a lot to unpack, Richard. I mean, I'm not even sure where to start. I'm going to try to focus it, I guess, On Kapanen, to eliminate one of your two possibilities there, or to come close to eliminating it, another of Gino's remarks yesterday was about how much he enjoyed playing between Jeff Carter and Danton Heinen, and how he hopes that line will stick together for a while, uh, that he thinks that they can develop even better chemistry than what they've already shown, and anybody who's paid attention to them so far knows that it's been kind of okay. It hasn't been great. They got that one somewhat meaningless five-on-five goal in Toronto last week. But in general, they've been all right. They've been worth a longer look. As for what else Sullivan can do, well, Richard, I'm going to take your Jack Adams front-runner reference as non-derisive, meaning that you meant it in a genuine way, but also as possibly something of a challenge. To Sullivan. And I should point out right here that Sullivan has used that word himself as related to Kapanen, meaning that he's challenged himself as a head coach to get the best out of this player. And so far, it's only happened in spurts. I get it. Look, I watch. Capitan in practices, it can drive you nuts. Everyone on the team watches him in practice. Hextall, Burke, Sullivan, the whole staff, the rest of the players. And when they do, they're seeing, maybe, at least in some ways, the most talented individual among them. I know how silly that sounds because... We also all watch him in games, and he isn't that guy, seemingly by choice. He enters a zone, he pirouettes, he pulls up, he does something backward, despite having every physical tool available to him to go forward. Now, you can, as some have done and continue to do, question his courage, except that he really doesn't have a history of being non-courageous. We've seen him, including this season when he's gone to the net, he's gone hard and he's paid a price and he's just brushed himself off as if it was nothing. And that makes you even more nuts because now you're really trying to see what's in his head, what's going on there. It's hard to say. When you ask him directly, and I've done this, I've done this, he'll come back by repeating exactly what the coaches are telling him to do. And not in a denial kind of way, and not in a negative kind of way. The way, for example, those of you who go back a little bit that Alexei Kovalev used to do when. I would ask Kovalev what the coaches were telling him. He'd kind of have this eye roll and say, oh, you know those guys, they'll just talk about this and talk about that, and I just got to play my own game. There's none of that with Kapanen. It would almost be refreshing if there was, because then you could explain this. What I do know and what is certain is that across the scope of sports, coaches, evaluators, administrators, hate nothing more than when they have a visible talent right in front of them and they can't maximize it. They feel like a lesser version of themselves when that happens. They don't take it out on the player. They take it out on themselves. And that's the sense that I get right now from the people running the Penguins. Their fear in this case would be that they would cast off Kapanen in some form. He'd go somewhere else and he'd suddenly see the light and start going to the net and scoring the 30 or 40 goals that everybody knows that he could if only he'd move in a straight line and utilize that outstanding, and I mean outstanding shot that he's got. Watching Patrick Liney in Columbus now and the way he's lighting the lamp, and I don't mean to compare Kapanen's release to Liney's. Liney's in a a class of, well, I was going to say you know, three or four. It might be in a class of about five or six in the league of people who can put the puck on the net with that kind of flash. But Kapanen's not far behind. We don't see it because, again, he doesn't utilize it much, and way too often when he does, he misses the net because he's trying to pick some corner instead of just letting it rip. Liney's overtime goal the other day crossed the blue line, took a pass, and just let it fly, and it went center of the net. But it went center of the net with unbelievable quickness and velocity. The Goaltender never had a chance. That's stuff Kapanen could do. He could. He could. I, I, I can see, hear, and feel you right now going, you're out of your mind. No way. He, he actually can. But that doesn't mean that he will, and that further doesn't mean that the Penguins have forever to figure it out. Remember that he's a restricted free agent after this season. He's already a $3.25 million cap hit for far too little production. And, yeah, that's coming home to roost. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one tomorrow.